Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Welcome to the new and improved front row, Tom Block and Keith Jones. We why why we do you have ask? not gotten any better? We we are still <laughs> simply average. But the studio, the my, palatial studios, my now that we call our goodness. new home that, that Jeff Cameron is kind enough to run out to us. Nice. Look at that lazy boy you're sitting in over there, KJ. It's going to be tough to do a full hour relaxing like this, isn't oh, it? Pardon me while I put my feet up. Exactly. We are uh, in the new home here. And it is very nice. Glad that uh, you have found us uh, as uh, we come your way each and every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And, Keith, you actually pride yourself off of the beach at Cape Sandblast to come all the way back here to check out the gorgeous new studios. I did. I did. I did. I've had toes in the sand and a little drink with a little umbrella in it. Yeah. One. One. With the umbrella. One at a time or one umbrella or one per day? One umbrella. One umbrella. Okay. I won't ask you to, to... clarify any more than that but i appreciate you coming all the way back into town what'd you have to do like check the mail mow the lawn or something before you go back to the beach it's rough being you check the mail water a few plants make sure everything's okay and then i'm gone again then you're back to the beach again all right well uh have fun you were on an island in your own i was at dog island this uh, well yeah i was i went to opposite extremes late last week and over memorial day weekend uh dog island being one of them Prior to Dog Island, I was at Disney World leading into Memorial Day weekend. So all of mankind was in one location, none of mankind. Well, that's not true. There was a lot of folks down at Dog Island, but you get the point. Understood. Very different uh, experiences, both of them. How was Mickey? Mickey was great. Uh, The good news there is uh, we don't spend any time waiting in line to meet the characters or the mouse or the princesses or anything. All about the rides. All about the rides, yes. Uh, my kids are five and seven, but we've bypassed those lines, so those those are off the list now. So that's gotten a little my bit better. My favorite things down there are the uh, Country Bear Jamboree and the Hall of Presidents. I you sit and it's cold. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I did go to the Hall of Presidents this year for the first time in a while. My first grader is interested in that. So uh, she knows more than I do at this point. So we, we did go there. I, I about not, everything. About everything. Wait till she turns and 17. And if, if you don't believe her, just ask her. Wait till she turns 17. <laughs> yeah, I'm dreading the teenage years on both sides there, uh, boy and girl. All right, let's. Uh, we're supposed to talk about sports, I presume, here, and generally Florida State sports. And we will do that. Matter of fact, we've got uh, baseball regionals coming up this weekend. And coming up on the show, Tim Linnefelt, our Seminoles.com insider, will join us. We'll talk about Florida State more specifically, but also Kendall Rogers, who's a national uh, writer, reporter that covers college baseball for D1 Baseball, will join us. And we'll get some national perspective there because it has not been a quiet week on the college baseball front. Some I mean, national news, if you will. Augie Garrido reassigned the all-time wins leader at Texas, so that job is open. A lot of big names at play, one of them being the head coach at the University of Florida. The Alabama job has opened up. Uh, plus, you have selection stuff going on. So, a lot to talk about, and we'll, we'll ask him. And criticism of the selection stuff going on. Yes, and we'll talk about that. Uh, if you're a college baseball fan, you, you knew this was coming. That's what makes it worse. You, you knew in March that Florida was going to be a national seed and that this FSU team was not going to be and that ultimately they were going to end up paired against each other. Again. Again. Yeah, my bigger issue, um, th- to me, this is not the year that you can make the best case against it for FSU Florida. 
But I do think, as we'll talk about over the next 60 minutes or so, if you want to grow the game, you've got to do some things to grow it. And that means some more intersectional matchups and changing things up and truly seeding things 1 through 16. And I think part of that starts with the NCAA and, more importantly, starts with that selection committee. Uh, and I'll be frank, I've never really studied the baseball selection committee, so I'm sure Kendall could give us some insight into there. But uh, I think some more resources, some more time, some more effort, some more something has to be dedicated to looking at the college baseball game in terms of getting it ready for the tournament and then seeding uh, and who goes where and, and how they match up because uh, there's work that needs to be done apparently. The good news for Florida State is they played well enough at the ACC tournament to end up a regional host, and that was not insignificant. If they went one and two in Durham, they wouldn't be at home this weekend. They went uh, three and one, as it turned out. Matter of fact, and this may have been right, we'll never know, had they won in that laugher for Clemson on Sunday, ended up being reasonably close at the end considering where it was, had they won that, they might have been a national seed. Which this, this, to me, is not a national seed caliber team for Florida State. But the fact that they were in that position and are hosting a regional does speak to the fact that they turned things around a little bit, won a key four games down the stretch, and got themselves in position to host again. And obviously, as far as Florida State goes, will be directly proportional to what type of pitching they get out of their starters, period, the end. And that is true, and Mike Martin has always hung his hat on pitching and defense, but when you look at the way the season ended, save for the ACC championship game, you look at the last 10 games of the season when they're in that losing skid, they lost a lot of games 4-2, Four three, and so it really wasn't on the backs of the pitchers there. Even before the pitching came around a little bit against Miami in the ACC tournament, it really was pointing your fingers other places. And this team clearly has some deficiencies. But base running be one of them. Base running would definitely be I, one. I of them. don't understand that. I, don't I have either. I have no explanation for it. I'd be a millionaire if I did. I guess doing the you could you could lump it into the bigger umbrella of doing the little things. But base running is one of them. Uh, defensive miscues is one of them. Uh, the bunning and this you know we look at fsu i don't watch the other programs play enough to know but the art of bunning appears to be lost too not that mike martin has this label from maybe non-fans or kind of bandwagon fans that he bunts a lot he really doesn't florida state doesn't bunt a lot but when they need to drop a bunt down that can be a struggle too it's kind of like the the age old it's fourth and one or third and one you got to get a yard you go on the ground why can't you do that you, you've got somebody you got to get to second or you got him a second get him over to third it, it should be pretty easy and Florida State just finds a way to make it difficult well I'm going to give Chip Baker a little shout out here because he and I do a lot of the broadcast together and it happens about once a broadcast that somebody pops up a bunt not just FSU whoever FSU is playing too and so he goes through his little uh, chips tips about how to do it uh, but really what he brings out is and he used to work with the catchers catchers make good bunners and he said the reason they do is they're used to bending their knees. And so you keep the bat level and bend your knees to get down instead of dropping the bat, which puts the ball up. He makes it sound very simple, but we see it once a broadcast. The only thing um, I feel confident in guaranteeing will happen this weekend because I can't guarantee you that FSU is going to advance. Minute, let me hold my breath. <gasps> I guarantee you there will be a lightning delay this weekend. <laughs> That one you can take to the bank. With or without rain. And during said lightning delay, 
I would advise that you head over to Madison Social, which is uh, just a stone's throw away from uh, Mike Martin Field and Dick Hauser Stadium. You guys know where to find it. Overlooks the IM Fields. Overlooks Doak. I'm sure they don't pitch it that way. Overlooks Doak Campbell Stadium is probably a better way to describe that. Uh, I don't know what specials they'll have going on, but they'll be special, and uh, I invite you, encourage you. And Even the if gra- the, garage there, doors will be up. Should there not be a lightning delay, then it happens to be the, on the way to the and way from the park. afterwards. All right, Tim Linnefelder, Seminoles.com Insider, will join us next segment. And we'll talk Florida State athletics, as we always do, specifically FSU baseball, in detail right after this. Stay with us. Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to the front row. Tom and Keith back with you, and it is the consistent highlight of each and every show when we get to say hello to Tim Linnefeld, our Seminoles.com insider. And we're going to, we moved him up in the batting order once again to say hello to him now, Tim. It uh, makes every Wednesday a Wednesday. It, it does do that. Tim, how are you? With an introduction like that. <laughs> Look, when you're uh, you're hitting as hot as I'm hitting over the last couple of weeks, it's only natural to, to finally move me up a little bit. But, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good, guys. It's, uh, it feels like summer around here. Obviously, a lot of baseball, a lot of softball kind of has that, that vibe around campus. Yeah, it feels like baseball regionals. It's like 120 oppressive, and there's thunderstorms that are going to delay games this weekend. So we're ready to play ball, right? That's pretty much the uh, the, the, the biggest summer tradition there is around here is the, the Tallahassee regional weather delays. <laughs> of course, they came a, a, a week early in Durham. Uh, we were praying for a rainout, but it didn't go that way. Uh, but rather than focus on the Clemson uh, debacle in the championship game, there were some encouraging signs, I guess, in the three games before that, really the four games before that. Uh, and I called the whole Miami series, and frankly, I thought the FSU played pretty well the, the entire Miami series and then into the ACC tournament. So I don't know how that carries over, if it carries over, but it uh, maybe makes us all feel a little bit better about FSU's chances this weekend in the regionals. Oh, absolutely. And Mike Martin loves to quote Earl Weaver, and he'll even say, as, as Earl Weaver once said, momentum is the next phase starting pitcher. And, and I know that's a baseball cliche, and it's probably true. But that said, gosh, it, it really does feel a whole lot different now that, that Florida State's strung together some wins, beat Miami twice. Uh, it just kind of looks good doing it. I know the Clemson game wasn't exactly the best, but at the same time, I almost look at it from the perspective of, a 10 a.m. start, multiple weather delays. Obviously, there was some sloppy defense. I feel like that one's maybe easier just to, to throw that one out than it would be uh, under other circumstances. Kind of just try to forget about that one and, and focus on the positive because there was a lot of positive up Florida State, up there in, in Durham for Florida State. Tim, talking about the momentum, and it is uh, hinged upon the next uh, starting pitcher. Let, let's talk about the, th- the first three that will get shots uh, in the regional and what you see uh, them doing the last couple of outings and what you expect of them uh, come uh, first pitch here in Tallahassee. I think it's a rotation that makes sense. It, it's kind of interesting just in that for the first time, I think, in a while, Florida State doesn't really have an obvious number one guy they have you probably say two guys who could be could be that number one both in, in Drew Carlton and Tyler Holton or a sophomore or a freshman uh, Mike Martin said on Monday I think it was Monday 
that he's going to go with, with Drew Carlton uh, on Friday night and then Tyler Holton on Saturday. And then if there's a third game, and then Mike Martin, of course, is always quick to point out the, the if uh, in that sentence, then he'll go with Cole Sands, the other freshman. Uh, you know, I, I think it makes it makes sense, and I think it's a it's a good thing for a statement that all those guys have kind of shown some encouraging signs lately, especially Carlton and Holton. I think Holton, you can maybe make a case, has been their best pitcher uh, over the last couple of weeks, and Carlton not too far behind. So, uh, just the fact that the last the, the last couple of outings for those guys, I think, have been pretty strong. Both look good uh, up there in the ACC tournament, and and kind of we're able just to get you some quality innings. I know we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Can we or can we just get some guys to to go deep in a game, fifth six innings, uh, and go from there? The fact that they've been able to do that, I think. Uh, has to be at least somewhat of an encouraging sign going into uh, to this weekend. They're at least going to give you a chance. It's always funny. It seems like it's an annual debate about who 11 should start in the Friday game of the regional. And there's been many years when he's moved the ace to Saturday, which can be insulting to the first team. I, I, I agree. You just... Uh, this team, frankly, I mean, it wasn't too long ago they went they went two and out in a regional in Tallahassee. So I mean, they got to. That was two years ago. Yeah. So I mean, put your uh, put the best bullets in the chamber there and 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 fire away. But th- that said, regardless of what order you throw the pitchers in, if you're going to win this in three, or if you get in the losers bracket, you're going to have to get five or six innings out of your starting pitchers to make it through. And and separate that, it, it really comes down to more of the physical errors, the base running blunders. And can the bats stay hot enough? And I do think that the bats have shown some encouraging signs. I guess I'll I'll start with Jackson Luke there. I mean, he's a guy that was not a starter halfway through the season, and with some attrition of some of the other guys, he's become a pretty doggone solid offensive uh, weapon for Florida State. Yeah, he's been been really nice. Uh, obviously, the 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 big one was the the walk off home run against Miami, which he said was his first walk off home run at any, any level of baseball, which was a. Uh, was kind of fun, you know. We, we've heard some some whispers around the program that have said that they think that he might have the most pure power uh, of anyone on the team, maybe the most potential pure power of anybody on the team. I know he didn't have the biggest home run totals, but just when, in terms of swing and swing mechanics, uh, they really like what he brings to the table. And then, you know, the other guy I think you have to bring up, and I'm sure you're about to, is uh, Dylan Busby. Just had a huge weekend up there in Durham, and again, if he can carry that over in, into the weekend, that can uh, it's good into the regional weekend. I mean. That can mean really big things for for FSU because, you know, and, and Mike Martin said at his press conference the other day is when it gets to postseason time, you know, the, the games are going to be tight. You're going to face a good pitcher, uh, at least one and probably two, uh, and so you know, you have to get your hits when you can get them. But more than that, you have to be able to pitch well and you have to be able to pick up the ball uh, because if you can't, you know, the, the, more often than not, this time of year, you know, your offense might struggle more than than usual or, or might just run into a better pitching than usual. So. Uh, the fact that Florida State does have some guys that are swinging the bat well, I think, you know, it definitely is, is, is a good sign, but I think he's more worried about their pitching and their defense. To that end, Tim, and I, and I don't have the answer. I mean, if I did, I'd, I'd be a millionaire, but base running errors, I've never seen the, the, the quantity and the quality of mistakes that this club has made on the base, base pass. Anything to make out of that? Well, Keith, I'm not a millionaire either, so uh, I don't know. I, I think it's baffling. I, I think it, it's probably baffling to the staff. I think if they had uh, an easier, obvious answer, it would be fixed by now. It's just some sort of weird disconnect going on there, and I'm, I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if you've ever seen anything like it. I'm not sure that you know Mike Martin in, in his several years of coaching has ever seen anything quite like the way this team runs bases. It's just odd. Uh, you'd like to think that if, if they can snap into it, they can snap out of it, but, but at this point it's kind of hard to – 
you know, I imagine just you sort of have to plan that, you know, there's going to be a few errors or a few missteps there, and you hope that they don't cost you too much or hope that they don't come at key times of the game. Kendall Rogers from D1Baseball.com is going to join us next segment, Tim, and uh, we'll get his perspective uh, on this and the way they set up the seating. But it's been it's been, or lack thereof, or lack thereof. It's it's been well documented, certainly among Florida State media. Uh, you were in the room, I presume, when the announcement came out, and when it was evident that Florida State was paired with Florida in the Super Regionals, could you hear a pin drop in the room? Oh, yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I've, I've been to several selection shows for several different sports across this campus. I've never seen anything like that. It was like they weren't even announced. Uh, it wasn't even, you know, quiet and everybody looking around or looking down or throwing up their hands or whatever. There was not, There was no reaction at all. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody even flinched. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. It was, it was kind of a strange scene, uh, to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, so it's kind of the, 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 the road that we're on and then the world we live in when it comes to college baseball. Certainly Florida State and Florida aren't the only ones that are dealing with it. We've seen the South Carolina schools paired up. We've seen some Texas schools paired up. So uh, it's just kind of the way it is. I don't think anybody has an answer for why. It's just where we are. Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna press Kendall for an answer why because it'd be pretty easy to fix. It's not so much that it's that it's rivalry rivals that are paired up. I mean, that, they're doing that for geographical reasons, is what they'll say. Uh, to me, the sure. it, it doesn't necessarily have to be rivals though. If you've got somebody that's a number one, and they should be paired with somebody that's a number sixteen. And this year, I don't think FSU has as good a case. They're closer to number sixteen than they have been other years when they've been paired with Gainesville. Uh, you probably, if you wanted to, you could probably go out as the voice of the committee and make the case that FSU is the number sixteen seed this year, even though the RPI might say thirteen or fourteen. It just seems like with with college baseball becoming so much. Uh, getting so much more exposure now the last few years a new stadium the corporate deal in omaha uh the sec network the proliferation of the game on tv that at some point you got to take the next step and the next step feels to me like you need to do something to improve the seating situation well and just look at softball where they seed one through 16 i understand there there are travel concerns but you know looking at at the softball super regionals that were here last week the, the Utah softball team flew to Kentucky for the regional weekend, won that one, went back home, I guess, for a couple of days, and then flew to Tallahassee for the super regional. So there, there's money to be spent on travel. I just I don't understand why baseball uh, is the exception. And, and to go back to your point about Florida State being the you know, closer to the 16 than in years past, I, I agree with that. But the fact that we know that they don't seed one through 16 and that it really doesn't carry any water or, you know, or doesn't hold any water. Uh, even, even if it does work out that way, it's still, it's still for the wrong reasons, I guess. And so, yeah, it's just, it's just an odd thing. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know. Nobody I've been able to talk to has been able to provide an answer. Maybe Kendall will have one, but it, I, I, I get the sense that whatever that answer is, won't be very satisfying. Well, it's not a direct comparison, but uh, the Florida Gators uh, athletic department uh, is, is, probably a little bit concerned because their number one seeded softball team two-time defending national champion lost to the number 16 seeded georgia bulldogs and they're not in oklahoma city as we speak right now so uh maybe maybe history can repeat itself in some way shape form or fashion how about the good time for a segue there how about the softball team tim a couple trips now out to oklahoma city for for lonnie and uh you know they they were a national seed so they got to play at home but this is a good team and its nucleus is really really young yeah, it's really, you know, it's interesting. Uh, she said several times, in fact, as recently as after 
game two on Saturday, which is the game they won the clinch spot in the Women's College World Series, is they went into this series thinking we're, we're gearing towards next year. Everything that we can get out of this year will help us in the future. Well, you know, to, to, to steal the oldest cliche in the book, the future is now. This team is really good. They've got one of the best pitchers in the country, two of the best hitters in the country, and then a whole bunch of players who can make some things happen, whether it be with their speed or with their defense or you know, any number of things. And this team is really good. And then, you know, you, you hate to think in these terms, but the fact of the matter is that, that Florida has been a juggernaut over the last three seasons, basically, two-time national champion. Uh, and the fact that they're not out there uh, really opens the tournament up for not just Florida State, but for everybody. Uh, you know, look, Florida State's going to play Georgia in, in their first game in the College World Series, which means they would have played Florida in the first game of the College World Series. And not that they can't win. They they more than held their own uh, down in Gainesville earlier this year. But if you had to pick, you would pick a team other than Florida. So, you know, now looking at that bracket with Georgia, Auburn, UCLA, like anybody you play out there is going to be good, but – Gosh, it definitely feels like things are maybe breaking Florida State's way a little bit more this year than they have in years past. One thing that didn't break Florida State's way was uh, a putt on 18, I guess, for Trey Jones' golf team the other day. But, uh, you know, they're a team that lost their their top player in the fall and still battled and almost made it into, the, I guess it would be the final 15 that played another round before you got to match play. What's your assessment of, of how Trey's team finished up this year? I, mean, I think, they, you know, they're certainly disappointed. I don't know that they were – in on the national national championship discussion the same way they were last year. But I know they absolutely expected to at least make the cut of the top 15 and to, to come so close and, and to play as well on the high end, I guess, as, as, that's not exactly golf terminology, but they had two holes in ones. I think they absolutely dominated the par fives on the course. To be able to do so many things so well and then still not be able to finish in that top 15, I think they probably have to be disappointed. But they'll be back. They recruit well. Uh, they're always among the nation's elite. I'm, I'm not worried about them going forward. Meanwhile, on the women's side of the ledger, they made the tournament for the first time uh, in some time, at least to, to compete. Not, I shouldn't say that. Let me rephrase. They, they they made it to nationals for the first time in some time, and they did make the cut. Right. So uh, I guess there's good news there. Yeah, and if you know, it's kind of the same thing for them. Uh, they have a roster loaded with uh, with juniors and senior, or excuse me, juniors and sophomores. Uh, and talking to Amy Bond, it was kind of the same as. Just talking to Lonnie Alameda, they looked at, you know, maybe next year's being the year they could break through. So the fact that they can get out there, get that tournament experience, make that cut, uh, and get in the top 15, it's going to do nothing but help them going forward. Tim, good stuff uh, as always. Uh, hydrate accordingly for what will be, I'm sure, be uh, cool weather this weekend out at Hauser. Well, there's nothing that I'm sure will be wet and soggy for a good portion of it. So well, I think we'll be okay. Maybe the delays this year will just be lightning delays. <laughs> lightning with no lightning <laughs> exactly all right hey appreciate it tim and uh, good job as always we'll talk to you soon you got it guys we'll see you that is tim linefelt our seminoles.com insider and he's getting set to uh spend the weekend at hauser for the regional you're going to spend the weekend at the beach, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I figured as much. But I'll be following. I'll you'll, be following. You'll be, you'll be following, but you're, you're you'll be in the AC enjoying the action on uh the computer or tablet of choice. Either that or I'll have my toes in the sand and be listening on the cell phone. Either or. Either or. There you go. All right, we'll step aside. Come back. We'll, we'll bounce back into college baseball. Kendall Rogers, uh, those of you that follow college baseball know who Kendall is, but he's a national expert. A lot to talk about here. The uh, winningest coach in college baseball uh, is no longer a coach. That's Augie Garrido. So guess who's next up on that list? Mike Martin. We'll discuss that and the ramifications, implications at FSU when we come back.
Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. the front row. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. It is uh, baseball postseason time. The calendar turns to June. The weather gets hotter. Thunderstorms and lightning delays show up in the panhandle as we get set for FSU to host the regional here in Tallahassee. And somebody will go 0 for 18. And exactly, but uh, FSU is one of 16 regional host sites and uh, we're going to talk not just about FSU as we have been, but bigger picture college baseball. And we're pleased to welcome to the program Kendall Rogers, the editor and na- national writer at D1Baseball.com. And if you want to talk about an aficionado for college baseball and and someone who really helps uh, grow the sport kendall does that kendall thanks so much for a few minutes of your time especially in a week that i imagine is rather busy for you yeah just a little bit you know we have selection monday and then we come back on uh you know during the selection show and after the selection show with a pair of coaching changes uh, then we get kentucky uh, making a change today so it's been a little bit of a, a busy beginning to the postseason here well and you mentioned the changes and one of the things we we're going to ask you about is the situation at texas so i'll just go right there before we get back into the regional situation uh augie garrido the winningest coach in college baseball uh, you know reassigned at texas a lot of names surfacing out there uh, what's your take on on who maybe has the inside track to become the next coach uh, for the longhorns <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I think Texas is going to kind of have a who's who's list. And uh, what's interesting is Dan McDonald, the guy that was kind of mentioned, uh, looks like McDonald might be signing an extension as early as today. So Tom George is going to get ahead on that. Um, I think for me, guys, uh, I think the big, the, probably the number one candidate for me would be Kevin O'Sullivan at Florida. I think when you look at uh, the job Sully's done at Florida, Florida's a, a good job. The problem is, Florida's not a place that cares a, a ton about you know baseball. They don't have a you know they don't have tremendous fan support like a lot of SEC schools. They certainly don't have the fan support of a University of Texas, and so uh, I think Sully would listen. Uh, and that's not to say he would take the job. I think he would absolutely listen though. I think Brian O'Connor of Virginia uh, is a guy they would take a look at. I think Tim Corbin of Vanderbilt. I don't think Tim Corbin will leave Vanderbilt, but I think he's a guy that at least you know take their phone call. And I think David Pierce at Tulane might be my kind of dark horse uh, to maybe get an interview there and uh, perhaps uh, woo the the selection committee there. Well, I was going to say, Kendall, any chance that uh, baseball would be something like football and maybe someone doesn't want to follow someone with Augie's credentials because of of his uh, notoriety? Yeah, absolutely. That could could always be in the cards. I mean, I think the big thing with – with, uh, you know, even a guy like Sully or a guy like that, you know, who knows, maybe Jeremy Foley comes back and says, I'll tell you what, I'll give you, you know, eight, nine hundred grand a year, and you know what, we'll put uh, $15 million in the ballpark. That t- that changes the game for his decision a little bit. So, uh, you're right, it, it could turn into one of those situations that some of these schools start stepping up. But I feel like Texas, I feel like the optics of Texas baseball are just a little bit different than Texas football. I think Texas football was so far behind when they ended up parting ways in Mac Brown. I think Texas baseball uh, could be one of those overnight changes. You, you said something interesting that uh, – now, bear in mind, we're a Florida State audience, and Mike Martin has had tremendous success here. He's never had the ultimate success, as you know, of winning in Omaha. And what's happened over the last few years uh, is Florida has trended up and is the top seed, obviously, this year. And uh, 
so I guess I'm, I'm I'm interested to hear your perspective. I mean, Kevin O'Sullivan's taken the Gators to Omaha several times. They've been in the finals. They're the top seed in this year's draw. I think they're your pick to win the national title, as a matter of fact. Yet you said Florida doesn't really spend money on baseball. So sitting at, you know, coming at it from an FSU point of view, where folks are already scratching their head, wondering how the pendulum is shifting, uh, how is it that it's shifted and that Florida has become so dominant on the field in the last, well, during Sully's tenure? Well, I think it's pretty clear. I think you look at recruiting. Uh, I mean, if you look at Florida versus Florida State, you just look at the frontline talent. I'm not, I'm not saying Florida State's not talented. Uh, from an offensive perspective, absolutely. Uh, but from a pitching perspective, go compare you know, every Florida State arm to every UF arm, and it's night and day difference. I think that's what it boils down to. Uh, recruiting, uh, and, and, re- and specifically recruiting on the mound, Florida State just does not have the horses that uh, Florida does. And another thing here is, you know, Florida State gets a guy like Kobe Johnson, and, and you know, he just hasn't panned out yet. And he was a guy that was a, you know, was a Florida-esque type of arm when he got to Tallahassee. So uh, I think it just boils down to recruiting. I think, uh, you know, the thing for me is I think the FSU staff's actually done a tremendous job given their talent on the mound. I mean, there's not a ton of talent on the mound for FSU, and uh, they've actually done a pretty good job of that. The, the, the problem is, is I feel like FSU's a program that should have more talent than they have on the mound. Well, that begs the next question then, uh, which is why don't they? So is Florida State missing something they should be doing more of in recruiting? Are they not at the right places? Are they not working hard enough? Uh, I mean, just your perspective as a guy who's based in Houston but follows the college game. Uh, has a huge brand. Uh, you know, that stats you know very highly regarded, uh, certainly in the recruiting trail with the travel ball teams and, and things like that. Um, I, I think it's just the fact that Florida has been able to kind of carve a carve a niche in that state and just kind of kind of own things. I think for Florida State, uh, I think it's going to take doing something more than Florida one year to kind of maybe swing the swing the pendulum a little bit. So it, it's been perplexing to say the least that FSU continuously just kind of lacks uh, frontline talent on the mound. When you look at the ACC overall, Ken, what what's happening and what's the perception of this conference as it relates to uh, what was dominant in, in the West Coast uh, for years and, and with Virginia uh, with their little bit of success uh, here recently? What's the national spotlight look like as they uh, pan to the ACC? Yeah, I think the big thing for me, guys, is uh, I think when you look at this, uh, this conference overall, I think it's deeper than the SEC this year. I think the SEC might have the better, you know, kind of frontline teams as in the one through five or six teams. But I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that the ACC is deeper. Uh, you know, Boston College is a team that has a legitimate chance to win a regional with Jacob Stevens and, uh, you know, Justin Dunn in that weekend rotation. Uh, you know, you look at the, you know, you even look at a team like Georgia Tech that, you know, mer- you know, you would think narrowly got in the field. Georgia Tech, to me, is a lot better team than maybe the resume indicates. And, uh, you know, you look at the top of the league with FSU, uh, you know, Louisville, Clemson, those are all teams that are playing really well at the right time. So I really like the depth of this league. Uh, it's very intriguing to me to see how, you know, all of these teams do in the postseason because it's been a very deep league the entire season. And it's why uh, even a team like North Carolina has such a high RPI. We're talking with Kendall Rogers from D1Baseball.com. Kendall, I want to bring it back to the, the Florida State angle a little bit. Uh, and I'm curious if you hear this from from other programs. Uh, there's fr- Obviously, from a Florida State standpoint, and I'm not talking about the program, I'm talking about fans, there's frustration that seemingly every year if FSU's not a national seed, they're going to be paired up with Florida. And, you know, they only seed one through eight. So I guess the bigger nature of my question is, is there any talk that they would seed one to 16 or, or sort of get out of this uh, 
they they kind of hide behind geographical proximity or they have since 9-11 if memory serves correct but is there any talk of, of maybe getting some more international games or matchups and truly seeding one to 16 yeah you know what I've, I've talked to ncaa about that specifically last year in omaha and one of the things they kind of said and they were kind of honest about it they were saying you know yeah you know what it makes sense to go one to 16 like softball but who's to say the committee can't kind of manipulate their ranking to suit the matchups they want. So, you know, at the end of the day, they could still they could still find a way to make you know make themselves get the matchups that they really want, uh, even if they go one through sixteen. So, I think that's the concern here. Well, is their job to do the matchups, or should their job be to rank one through sixteen and then let the schedule take care of itself? Their job should be do, to do the one through sixteen, but uh, you know the problem is there are no checks and balances. You know if they if they don't do that, you know who's going. You know what, what what's the penalty? It's not like you know somebody like myself or something can go penalize those guys. So well, um, I, you know I, I'm with you. I, I think we should have the softball system, but uh, you know we'll see if it happens anytime soon. I, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. Well, last question on this, and uh, I don't know what you can. Uh, you know, I'm assuming uh, assuming that you've had a peek behind the curtains a little bit, but when it's sure. when it's March Madness time for college basketball, for weeks leading up to it, the, the national media does these mock tournament selections where they're meeting with the committee and they're going through the process and they talk about how the committee meets for day after day after day does the baseball committee spend that much time on this because it doesn't necessarily feel like they do when the field comes out yeah you're right uh they don't uh you know when you look at the basketball i remember a couple years ago i'm trying to remember the guy who used to be the eba he's a Gene Page, I can't remember his name, but um, he, uh, you know, he was talking about that during the basketball selection show a couple of years ago, and talked about how many of the guys on the committee had actually seen a lot of games, and the total number of games seen was actually pretty high. Uh, for baseball, you know, other than the regional advisory committees, I'm pretty sure those those selection committee members don't see a lot of games. And I think when you have that, it's hard to do. I've always kind of proposed kind of a human element. Um, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, national guys like myself or, you know, Aaron Fitt or the guys at Baseball America, you know, maybe you know, I'm not saying have ultimate input, but at least get, get a national perspective from people who see all of these teams throughout the year. So uh, I think for baseball, I think there needs to be some sort of national uh, kind of kind of a national human voice a little bit. Well, yeah, and I'll, I'll bear this story. For now, here we we could have we could talk in circles on this one and not get to a resolution. So, uh, you know, you're going to be busy with the chase to Omaha, but there's another chase that's on the horizon from where we sit in Tallahassee, and that is with going back to Augie. Uh, number two on the all-time wins list is Mike Martin, and I don't I don't have the number in front of me, but I feel like he's about 85 wins away right now, which is two seasons uh, unless it's a season like this one then you go into a third uh, you know do you think he'll stick around or try to to get to that mark and or is there anybody else down the list that is ever going to get to the number Augie's at I know you're talking about Jim Morris and the Stanford coach and some other guys but they're getting up there in years too you know it's interesting it's interesting about Jim you know I was reading a, a story from the ACC tournament I, I don't know I'm pretty sure he wasn't kidding because he's got a young kid now and I think he wants to spend time with him but he made the comment that he's got about another year or two left, and I truly believe that's his case. I think he really kind of after a couple of years wants to kind of turn that program over to Gino Damari, their assistant. And so, uh, you know, I don't think Jim's going to get there because I think he's only got a couple of years left. I think uh, I think Mike's got a, got a really good shot. Um, you know, he's given no indication to anybody that he's leaving anytime soon. And, uh, I, you know, he's one of those guys – 
that for me, I really hope he gets the, the kind of the ultimate prize. I mean, when you talk about the job that he's done over the last you know thirty plus years, it, it simply is incredible. I mean, the fact that guys never missed NCAA tournament. I mean, that that's just silly. So hopefully he can get there uh, before he calls it a, a career. Our fan base, uh, Kendall, is no different than any other fan base. They they sure. want they want the ultimate and they ignore the consistency. And I don't know how you combat that. It's it's uh, it's really frustrating to hear some of the comments that get directed Eleven's way simply because he doesn't have that ring. Well, my thing is this: is you know, if you're going to part ways with a legend, you better have somebody better. Uh, lined up, and I'm not sure Florida State at this point has somebody better. Um, you know, they're not going to go get Dan McDonald at Louisville. They're not going to go get you know Brian O'Connor Virginia. Florida State's just not. You know, number one, I don't think Florida State's a job that's going to pay as much as a Texas, not even close, really. But so that that kind of eliminates those guys. So I, I'm one of those people. Like, be careful what you wish for. Uh, you know, you could you could you could be a national seed or a number one seed. Uh, every year like Florida State is, and you could also uh, take a pretty big step back. But you know, I think at the end of the day, I think there's a balance here. Um, if, if I'm an FSU fan, there's no doubt in my mind that I, that I should have more talent on the mound. On the flip side, uh, it could be a lot worse. Let me ask you this. We'll let you get going. What what should Florida sure. State pay for its baseball coach? I mean, because Mike Martin's just now at the point. He signed a new contract last year where – uh, I think he's making six or seven, maybe, uh, but he hasn't made anywhere near that amount for the majority of his career. So, if and when this job opens, what should it pay, or, or what are the top jobs paying? Well, you know, right now it looks like Texas is probably going to spend upwards of, of uh, six, you know, seven figures, um, you know, for their new head coach. So uh, that, that's where they're coming from. Obviously, I don't, I don't expect everybody to do that. You know, Florida. Uh, from my understanding, is probably bumped solely up quite a bit into the uh, into the eights. Uh, you know, George Horton at Oregon, you know, makes close to a million. So, you know, you know what the going rate now for an elite coach in college baseball is probably seven hundred million dollars a year. And uh, you know what, that's an investment in college baseball. But I'm a believer, uh, and I don't know the, the the ledgers and things in the Florida State Athletic Department. But when you look at the fan support that Florida State has, uh, you look at the facility capabilities. Uh, you look at the national brand, to me, that job warrants paying that much because I think Florida State baseball is that big a deal to the people there locally. And I think Florida State is a big enough brand nationally uh, to kind of warrant that. I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind I would spend that kind of money on the, on the next coach, whenever that might be. All right. Thank you for your perspective. You know, college baseball, as it continues to grow, it's uh, it's been more regional in, in nature because it's been hard to follow. And there's not that many guys that f- truly follow it nationally and travel to all the games like you do. Uh, so appreciate your insight. Enjoy this. This is your month for the next uh, few weeks. And I know you get a few stakes out in Omaha, regardless of who goes, you're guaranteed to get some stake in Omaha. So enjoy it. Absolutely, guys. Best of luck to the Noles this weekend. All righty. That is uh, Kendall Rogers, the uh, Editor and national writer at D1Baseball.com. I really wanted more of a national perspective. We could have asked Kendall to, to give us a scouting report on Southern Miss and the teams coming in here this weekend, which he, he certainly Oh, he can done. rattle them off. But I, I really felt like that was a bigger picture conversation we need to have. Uh, Keith, you and I can react to uh, some of his comments when we come back and continue right here on the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith. 
front row. Tom and KJ with you once more. Really good perspective from Kendall Rogers from D1Baseball.com and a lot we can react to. Let's start with the NCAA baseball committee because there was no there was no glimmer of good news that came from Kendall on that I, one. I don't he, think he uh, minced any words if you read both I, what he said and between the lines. I mean, the Cliff's notes on what he said was, uh, yeah, they could do it better, but nobody I talked to seems to have any intention to change and, how they're doing it. And they're going to do it the way they're going to do it regardless of what their mission is. I, I do want to... You know, we're Florida State guys. This is Tallahassee. So we're. it's easy to paint the picture we're making this argument because Florida State's paired up with Florida. But honestly, if you step back from it, I mean, North Carolina and Duke are not going to meet in the second round of a basketball tournament on a regular basis. No. Certainly not if one is the top seed and one is the 13 seed, and, which is what technically FSU And they've is. already played three times or five times. Well, and the difference there is they're in the same conference, so maybe that's a bad argument. But... It, no, it, Kentucky, it lends to the argument. Duke at number one, Kentucky at number thirteen. They're not. If that's what the true seating is, they're not playing in the second round. Correct, uh, sort of thing. So I just feel that the game has grown in a lot of ways, and if you you're going to embrace that it's grown, I mean we've got a corporate name on the ballpark where they play this World Series every year it's out time, there. It's time to amp up the some of the that, behind the scenes that's what stuff. comes with it the game is on tv all the time and uh you know one of the things you got to do is you got to adjust with the times on that and i feel like baseball has not done that we didn't ask kendall i would be interested in this too you know where the big 10 only got two teams in this year which means that the whole waving the banner that the season should be pushed back to later in the year to give the northern schools a chance is going to be out there again especially in a year like this where all the strength 13 of the 16 host schools are sec or acc right, right. And, and that's a, a an argument or a, a problem that that has been occasionally addressed and it was it was not too long ago what six eight years ago when they moved the season back uh two weeks and that, that well that's when re- the uh, tuesday wednesday games became much more uh, of a factor but if memory serves they didn't really move the season back they condensed it they cut two weeks off the front end and so instead of having one midweek game i think they actually cut three weeks off the front end because you used to start maybe the last weekend in january and now you start say february 17th point being that that's that the last the, time a concession was made to to uh, uh, environmental condition stuff i think you know the bigger issue not that the ncaa needs to do what professional ball wants it to do but if you look at college sports you know they are sort of set up to feed the the next system i think the pro teams would not want to see a system where they get six weeks less of a guy they could develop here in 2016 because there's not much of their league left if the college season ended august 1st instead of july 1st well well and obviously the coaches are wanting the the draft to be pushed back which speaks right back into your right uh, argument that the, the mlb would have less time in in the calendar year in which they acquired someone who decided to to sign uh and that that is kendall talking about the balancing act that's also a balancing act that uh, you know i'm not sure we're going to see a lot of resolution either yeah well we didn't ask him about that so let's get back to what we did talk to him about i guess and uh you know, talking about the Florida State coaching situation is is going to be interesting. And uh, this conversation will continue next week. It'll certainly ramp up whenever Florida State is eliminated this year, unless that's in Omaha and this team makes some noise. Because let, let's be fair about this. For You have this can't win the big one label that's attached, unfortunately, to Mike Martin because he hasn't won the big one. If this year's team gets to Omaha, it doesn't matter if they go 0-2 and both games are 10-zip. I, frankly, this team... I, 
getting to the super regionals, get, making it out of this regional, I think you could define as overachieving for this year's team. Because in my opinion, and I was with them closely for seven years, uh, you know, I think if you ranked the last 20 years of the teams of the 2000s, 16 or 17 teams, this would be in the bottom three or four. It might be at the bottom. Might be at the bottom. Yeah. And, and obviously, if you do get out of the regional here in Tallahassee and you go down and, and, and how you play against Florida – is also going to be measured. If you go uh, lose two games, 2-1, two, 2-1, one, two, one, then there'll be one voice. If you go down there and get beat 10-2 uh, and 14-4, to four, there'll be another voice, uh, which is just the, the way that rivalry and that relationship is. Uh, so there's some, some interesting hurdles, uh, some interesting opportunities for this 2016 team. And uh, they've surprised in, in a number of ways. Maybe they've got a few more up their sleeve. Well, it's a tough regional. Uh, when the regionals first came out, some of the national folks said it was the toughest. Uh, they've since backed off that a little bit as they assess the field. But, uh, it you know, 16 regionals, it's probably in the top four in terms of toughest. And the reason that that thought is out there is that Southern Miss, many thought, could have hosted its own regional. So that's who comes in. Uh, if you will. And then South Alabama has played here lots of years. They have a nice history. Alabama State's coach used to be at Bethune-Cookman. Uh, he knows a thing or two about FSU. And so Friday night's game will be interesting. And and, the, and you don't have a BCC or a FAMU or someone that you would traditionally be heavily favored over. I mean, all these four teams are going to be in kind of a, a similar uh, category in terms of how they're being looked at. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how Florida State plays this weekend. But I do think the next couple of years will be interesting. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how much Chase and Augie's career wins, Mark, really means to Mike Martin. Maybe his plans are just to coach next year. He's under contract for it, and that's it. Uh, You know, I'm pretty sure, I would assume, it's an assumption. I haven't asked him. I'm sure he'd like Mike Jr. to be the next coach here. I don't know if that'll happen. Mike Jr. may have some opportunities this year based on the openings that are out there. Well, it's going to be interesting, and, and Kendall talked about this. Uh, there'll be some dominoes because I'm assuming that, that Texas is not going to go get someone we haven't heard of. They're not going to go get uh, you know someone from Wichita or someone from uh, you know uh, Oregon State, uh, if that even exists. They're, they're going to go after a named person because they can go after a named person. So if they get Sullivan at Florida, that job becomes open. If they get the guy from Virginia or Oregon, those jobs become open, and there's going to be a domino effect I, I would per- perceive and suspect uh once texas makes their move it no question and and if texas was to get virginia's coach well kevin o'sullivan at florida played at virginia so his name would come up there i don't know if he'd go to florida and go further north but virginia just won a national title next year uh, last year so it, it will be interesting to see how the chips fall i like any of the fsu fans we all want the happy storybook ending it doesn't happen very often that you ride off into the sunset with a championship out in Omaha, which would be the perfect storybook ending, whether it was this year well, or next. Well, think about that. If, if, if 11 were to win it all, do you think he, that would be it? If he was to win it all this year, I would not tempt fate, and I would say yes. The, only, the way I could argue against that, though, is purely because he's finally being compensated uh, commensurate with what he's done over the years, and he hasn't been at that level a whole lot. Sort of like Bobby at the end. Right. Bobby went a lot of years. I mean, if you totaled up the dollars now, Jimbo may have made more at this point in his career than Bobby made in 
Oh, I can almost assure you that because I, I remember. I just mean his years as a head coach here. He did the math. You, I mean, Jimbo, more, Jimbo's six years are probably more dollars than Bobby's thirty-four. Is that's what you're that's saying. what I'm saying. It's it's getting close anyway. So and and Mike Martin similar. He's right. getting compensated as he should. At this I remember point. walking out the practice. 78 79 somewhere thereabouts bobby's first deal i think was thirty two, thirty four thousand dollars, and i remember walking out the practice a couple of years after that and and uh they were doing some construction work and it looked like they had a well driller okay i don't know what type of machinery it was but bobby had just signed a new contract and his salary had gone to 62 or something and uh whoever i was walking with said what's that i said well i think they're drilling for oil so they can pay coach bowden i mean because that was a lot of money back then and i look back at that comment and realize how just naive and even stupid it was yeah well and obviously he got out of it and and things turned south for bobby just before the dollars really got to the level that they're at now and i don't know when they're going to slow down wow that's a, a topic for another day. Yeah. And a long show. And a long show. So, as usual, we don't have the answers. I do know that it's 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 potentially going to be a tough situation at FSU for the next couple of years. I don't think that Florida State baseball and Florida State football at the end of Bobby's regime are even comparable situations. Well, uh, even, even though I think it's fair to say that FSU baseball the last couple of years has stepped back a little bit, that step back still has them as a top 16, top 15 program. Well, and I think it's a fair comparison to to compare baseball and basketball because you, you've got two older coaches on shorter contracts in need of, of either winning the big one, much more consistency, uh, at least the last – a uh, few years with baseball but looking for the same thing from basketball you know what, what's that next step and how, how does that work uh, you're going to see some changes obviously in both of those sports here in the in the near term all right he's keith i'm tom we've got a little bit more time to go before we finish up this week's front row and we will do that on the other side of this break stay with us to the front row with tom block and keith jones got a question email them at the front row at 97.9 espn radio.com here's tom and keith welcome back just a couple of minutes left keith you may not even be aware since you've been at the beach and uh, i don't know if your uh, telecommunications and internet are up to par down there but the uh the new list of, of nominees for the College Football Hall of Fame came out. Did you look at any of the names on it? T-Buck's on it. T-Buck is on it. So you did get I the did look at it. So is Terrell Buckley a Hall of Famer? Yes. Yes. Steve Spurrier's name is also on that list. He'll be in. So for next year's class, who goes in? Both? Both. Both. Okay. You're, you're saying that it, blind against the field. Have you looked at the other 73 names on there? I have glanced at them. I've glanced at them. Uh, I, I went down the list looking for Florida and Florida State. Brad Culpepper uh, from Who's Florida, from Tallahassee. Uh, yeah. is also nominated. Uh, but T-Buck and, and, and Coach Spurrier, I think, deservedly need to go in and will go in. And when you look at what Buckley did as a collegian, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. 21 career interceptions in three years. Uh, Monk's at 15. I'm at 12, and we played four. Uh, well, I played three. They didn't dress me as a freshman. But uh, 21 picks in three years, and, and his punt returns, he's in, my opinion. Won the Thorpe Award. 
probably doesn't hurt that he played 15 years in the pros and got a Super Bowl ring, too, even if that's not the criteria. I don't actually know what all the criteria are. Okay, so you got them both in. Yep. All right, I was just curious. Those are the two names that jumped out at me when I looked at that list, certainly in terms of uh, paying attention to him as a guy sitting in Tallahassee. I I wasn't on the list. You weren't. You weren't. Isn't there like a, a senior committee special group like they do for the for Cooperstown? Can, can we get to, you in that I'm way? going prosthumously. <laughs> that's, what I'm, that's what I'm running for, or however you say that. Well, that means you got to kick it first. <laughs> well, that's the only chance I got. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll promise to you right here on the front row that once you kick it, I will I will raise your name Understood. to the Veterans Committee. <laughs> All right. He's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for joining us on the front row. Yeah.